Welcome to the Insight Podcast. My guest today is Guy Fincham. Guy is a breathwork researcher whose interests include psychology, health, and performance. He, along with his co-authors, recently published a paper entitled Effect of Breathwork on Stress and Mental Health, a Meta-Analysis of Randomized Control Trials. And that's the topic of today's discussion. I talked to Guy about the definition, history, and a little of the science behind breathwork, Guy's research into the effects of breathwork on stress and mental health, Guy's current breathwork practice, his tips for anyone interested in exploring breathwork, and much more. Enjoy the episode. Guy, I always like to hear about people's morning routines and someone in your position with your with your expertise. And I think we're we're both fans of um, similar podcasts like Andrew Huberman and, and, and these types of people. I'm wondering what your morning routine is. It's a bit of a it is a word oh, two words that I kind of cringe at sometimes because um, it sounds a bit um, what is it? It sounds a bit like constricted or something doesn't it like this is what I have to do every day and it can be made a lot of can't it but at the same time I think there's there's real value and I'd love to hear about your morning routine as as a busy PhD student of course sure um so yeah as you say I think flexibility is key so you don't have to do morning routines religiously you have to do what feels right for you in the moment but I do the normal go outside, get my morning light, go for a walk, do some stretches. Um, you know, I don't try and time time it, as in if it's an overcast day, I won't just go out for 30 minutes and check my, my watch and do that. But, you know, I'll spend 10, 15, 20 minutes walking, stretching, getting my sunlight, and I've found that very beneficial. Um, and then after that, I'll come home, um, put the coffee on. Uh, then as, as it's brewing, I will do some cyclic uh, hyperventilation with retention, so Wim Hof-style breathing. But I'll do that for, you know, three, or three to five minutes while the coffee's um, brewing. So usually three or four rounds of 20 breaths, deep inhales, exhales, and 15 to 30 second holds. So short, a really short session just to prime me for the day. And then, yeah, fortunately for me, I can work from home in the mornings. And so I'll start work straight away. I'll just jump in whilst um, enjoying my coffee. Sometimes I'll, I'll eat but most of the time not. Sometimes it'll just be a bit of dark chocolate with some peanut butter, but nothing nothing, nothing much at all, really. I, I like to practice intermittent fasting. So, yeah, these are all just the, the things that you hear probably on every podcast, health podcast now. But I found it very beneficial. And then before going into the office in the afternoon, before having lunch, I'll then start my core breathwork practice, which we, we can talk about in a minute. But um, essentially it's varying forms of, of pacing my breath um, and then 
introducing something called coherent breathing. And yeah, that, that, that sets me up for the afternoon when I go into the office after. Sounds good. Sounds good. I think Huberman would approve for sure. Definitely the sunlight. And, and that's something I've, um, like many other people, are just more aware of now. And I think it, I think it does make a difference. And the real, um, when you really notice it is, over the winter months, which thankfully we're kind of we've come out the other side of now, haven't we? But I'm I know that there's been days where I just I haven't managed to see the sun. I've I've walked to work and it's been dark. I've come home and it it was dark on my walk home, and I just haven't managed to get outside either. Or if I have, it's been for five ten minutes, and you start to feel it, don't you? You really start to feel it, and so any opportunity now, like I think it's a bright sunny day today. I've already walked to the gym and back, but. Once we finish recording here, I'm going to take my book and go outside again and just get that vitamin D at any opportunity. Perfect. Sure. So what, what is your morning routine? In, I, mean, I don't know if you've repeated it on the podcast many times, but no, no, form. I don't think I have. I don't think anyone's asked me. I'm quite offended. Oh. No one else has asked me. <laughs> no. um, pretty similar. Pretty similar. I, I wake up. I, I'll do something kind of quite like something that I don't really have to think about that that seems to help me wake up slowly. So for example, I might clean the kitchen or wash some dishes or something like that. Do you know what I mean? So I've got like five minutes where I'm just easing myself out of the sleepiness. Then I usually meditate for anywhere between three and 10 minutes. Um, I have started the whole cold shower thing, which I know might get some eye rolls or yeah, another one doing is cold showers. But I've, um, I did start doing that in the new year. Well, I, for the last couple of years, I've been kind of doing it on and off. But again, I've been pretty consistent recently. So have a quick shot cold shower. Um, I try and every morning read my book as well. And it could just be a page or two, or it could be more depending on the time I've got. And then depending on what I've got on, I might have to be getting myself ready for school. Or if I haven't got school, then it'll be probably heading to the gym or doing a bit of work, something like that. Awesome. Um, yeah, so similar, similar. But I'm interested hearing more about, as you said, that um, your some your different breathwork practices, and we'll come back to that later on because I'm really interested to hear. Um, you, you refer to it as your core breathwork practice, is that right? Yeah. Interesting. So I want I want to ask you more about that. Um, so we're going to be talking about breathwork. I think it'd be great to start with just defining breathwork. What is breathwork? It's something that perhaps people are seeing more on social media and maybe I've got an understanding of what it is but you know some of my friends take the mickey out of me when I talk about breath work I was like all oh, right you're telling people how to breathe great great that's that's really useful Sam um so could you could you give us a bit of a definition and maybe even kind of why why has there been this resurgence of, of interest in it as well of course so it has many historical traditional roots breath work does but for a Western audience, you know, Ox Oxford English Dictionary defines it as uh, various practices which um, encompass regulating the one that, the way that one breathes, particularly in order to uh, promote mental, physical, uh, emotional health, but also spiritual health. And as I said, it's it's got it's very it's very complex in terms of you know where it's derived from it comes from all over the world Com very complex historical roots um probably the most well-known body of you know breathwork practices is, is pranayama from yoga um, pra prana is 
prana means the vital force or kind of like cosmic energy, whereas yama means regulation, control, kind of stop, start. So, yeah, you combine that together. That basically is essentially breath work. It's from, you know, it's used in Buddhism, Tibetan Buddhism, um, it's in Tumma meditation, it's used in it's Sufism, uh, various psychedelic communities, shamanism, uh, from Hawaii to China to India, everywhere, Prague, uh, yeah, Czech Republic. Um, there's a very famous uh, researcher from, from there who started holotropic breathwork, Stanislav Grof. Uh, yeah, so I thought using breathwork for my recent publication as, as the rubric was very important because it seemed to be the most inclusive for me and the research team, and it, it didn't focus on just one particular tradition or one particular technique. And so I thought that was most accessible, again, for, you know, the core audience of of a journal like Scientific Reports, which we published in. Mm. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm trying to honour, so I'm trying to honour both the complex historical roots of mm. breathwork, but also make it more accessible for uh, the layperson as well. Yeah, yeah. And that's really important, isn't it? Because like so many of these things that we're doing now, it's ancient wisdom that two, 3,000 years ago people knew about, didn't they? Like sunlight, like breath work, like meditation, yoga, the, these different practices that people knew, they knew about their power. They knew what they could do for, like you said, people's mental, physical and spiritual health. But now we've got the science to back it up. But they might, there might be still these terms that can then put people off, can't they? Even the word meditation, um, can put people off because you kind of think, well, no, I'm not a meditator. That's not something I do. That's for, you know, Tibetan monks that are away and on a retreat or whatever in a monastery and, and they've got plenty of time for this. So sometimes these terms can put us off, but we need to kind of reevaluate, I guess, our relationship with those terms, don't we? And realize um, that doesn't mean that it has to be so formal and so serious. Just it's, you know, find out more about it and see what you can apply to your life, see what fits with you. And breathwork is another example of that. Sounds very technical, sounds like, I don't know, just a, this kind of new agey word, but we know just like exercise, just like nutrition, it's something that has real power. So why not find out more about it? Why not try and incorporate it into our lives? And so talking about the the resurgence and now the fact that we've got the science to back it up, can, we hear, can I hear more about your research um, that you published fairly recently, wasn't it, this year, that was looking into breathwork. So go wherever you like with this. Um, but I'm just thinking, you know, um, what did the research involve, key findings, that kind of thing. I'd, I'd love to hear about it. Of course, sure. Um, and, yeah, to go up on your, your point you just raised, is that it can go in the other extreme where people start to, you know, they've been calling mindfulness, muck mindfulness for a while now. Um, and people think, yeah, breathwork is... It's too new agey. So it's hard to strike that balance, um, especially with your name and culture. You, it's it's an it's a awkward path to, to tread. So you can't satisfy everyone, but you can do your best. That's what, we, that's what I'm trying to do anyway. Um, yeah, so going off of that, uh, my recent uh, publication, it's, it was the 
the lion's share, the vast majority of my first year of my PhD. And the paper is called uh, Effect of Breathwork on Stress and Mental Health, a Meta-Analysis of Randomized Controlled Trials. And yeah, of course, as we've been saying, there's been a resurgence, an unprecedented surge in interest, public interest in breathwork at the moment. And mental health and stress is, was, people were suffering from mental health problems and stress before the pandemic. Everyone experiences stress. So we wanted to conduct the first systematic review and meta-analysis of the effectiveness the potential efficacy of breath work. And essentially what we did was we, myself and my uh, supervisors at Sussex Mindfulness Centre and Oxford Mindfulness Centre, we wanted to look at all the literature on breath work. So we did a very comprehensive search of seven electronic databases. Two of those were clinical trial um, registers. So we could look at both published and unpublished research because there's a something in, 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 science, in scientific research called publication bias or the file draw problem where papers which you know don't provide positive results or interesting findings get filed away and they don't get published. So it's important to, to do a very comprehensive search of the whole literature and not just focus on things that have been published. And yeah, so we searched seven databases, which is quite a lot for a systematic review. And um, what we did was we we looked at all we we extracted the data from randomized controlled trials, which used breath work as the intervention. And the control groups were non breath work, non breath work controls. So it, they could be comparing breath work against uh, wait lists or other active interventions. Um, and we found around 1,325 of these randomized control trials focused on breathwork with non-breathwork control groups. And we, yeah, we went sieved through all of the literature. It takes a long time, but it's very interesting because I'm just reading about all these studies using breathwork and all these just yeah, just amazing endeavors by people which yeah it's just it's very humbling to see people trying to help others through different modalities and yeah so we got we got it down to about 12 randomized control trials for the primary outcome of stress which comprised 785 participants and then we had two secondary outcomes which were subjective anxiety and depressive symptoms and there was twenty. There were 20, 20 studies, randomized control trials for anxiety, and there were eighteen randomized control trials for depression, using these sort of subjective, self-reported um, outcomes. And we found by conducting uh, meta-analysis, by extracting the, the relevant data, running it through um, software uh, called Review Manager. You can also do this in various other softwares like R. And we found that there were significant small to medium effect sizes on stress, subjective stress, levels of stress, levels of anxiety, and levels of depressive symptoms. And what this meant was it basically showed what we 
you know, intuitively know is that breathwork interventions, the participants undergoing going through those interventions were reported less less stress, less anxiety and less depression after the intervention compared to the, the non-breathwork control groups. So again, it's kind of bringing scientific validity, validation to intuition and what we thought would be true. But it's, yeah, it's very important to, to, to do this kind of research where you're spanning the literature, you're looking at it all and you're, we, we use, you know, very conservative measures where we, we, we use the data which is intention to treat data instead of per protocol data are available, which more conservative estimates of, of the effectiveness of an intervention. Um, but again, you know, just as all research has, we have you know, many lim- limitations and probably the key one would be that there's a small, there's a very small number of randomized controlled trials for a systematic review because of, you know, the recent phenomenon of, of the breathwork of breathwork becoming very popular in in the West, and most publications are in the English language. So there could be other many other papers elsewhere from from around the world where we just don't we have we couldn't review them because we're not we don't speak you know Chinese etc. Um, yeah. yeah, so you have to bear that in mind. But the the initial findings are yeah very promising. Um, and I, I propose this kind of work as to lay a foundation for the scientific community to to build upon, so that any you know recommendations for using breathwork in clinical settings, etc., is grounded in you know robust evidence. And we have a very good opportunity to do that, and we can build upon all of the, the research done in meditation in contemplative psychological science and learn from all the mistakes that were previously made from that research early on to stop, you know, to stop breathwork becoming this, you know, the new agey thing that people consider it later on because, you know, we don't want the same thing to happen with mindfulness, for example, which has, can have so many amazing beneficial effects. We don't want to just dilute that out to the point where it's considered a fad. Um, so yeah, it's very important to do this kind of robust research early on, and a lot of the, the randomized control trials that we went through, they were prone to to quite a lot of uh, risk of bias. Right, that's what we call it. So we just need to, from that now, we need to ensure that all of the breathwork research that's done has you know a good level of risk of bias because it's all, always prone. Anything conducted by humans will be prone to risk of bias mm. even ai which is built upon human input so you just need to we all need to be mindful and <laughs> and um diligent in the way that we design and, and conduct future studies on breath work right so is what you're saying about mindfulness meditation that the the earlier research was was not good quality and also there, there wasn't that research to back it. And so then people just kind of went off and did random things and different things. And it, and it didn't really, it didn't have that scientific grounding. And, and with 
your research, you're wanting to, to lay that strong foundation to build on to make sure all the research that comes from now on on breathwork is is strong and reliable. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, um, there, there's, there's been um, quite a few books on meditation now, which which they, they really go in depth into the literature. And there's there's a one called um, Altered Altered Traits by I've heard of that one. Yeah, Richie Richie uh, Richie Davidson, Daniel Goleman. Uh, yeah. fantastic book. Uh, and they they talk about you know the history of breathwork um, meditation research. And uh, bef- I think you know two two three decades ago there was only you know a few hundred journal articles on meditation mm. and then now there's oh, there's many many there's seven eight thousand maybe maybe more than seven eight thousand but when they went through this this was in i think this book was in 2017 when they went through these several thousand articles they they found that only uh i think it was i think 80 percent of all of these articles published on med- med- meditation and mindfulness weren't uh, randomized controlled trials. So there were no control groups. Um, it was more explorative, which is fantastic. But if you want to say something is truly effective or has robust efficacy, you need to conduct robust, well-designed, randomized controlled trials. Yeah. Um, and I think even when they they went through the highest quality uh, articles, journal papers, they they whittled it down to you know a few dozen sort of gold standard, mate like really rigorous, well done um, studies. So. It's uh, it's again, you know, it's it, it's a great stepping stone. We're, we're, mm-hmm. I think the breathwork space is fortunate in the sense that meditation and mindfulness research exploded for the past two two decades, and it puts breathwork in a unique position, where um, yeah, the the evidence is calibrated with the hype around it. Mm-hmm. So. It's just similar to psychedelics as well. There's a lot of hype, um, but it need yeah it needs to be you know grounded in robust research evidence, and the hype has to be you know has to be cal- calibrated with um, with the evidence. Um, yeah, it's a yeah exciting time for breathwork research, and I, I think we're at the cusp of an explosion, just like what happened with mindfulness and meditation. Um, and again, I'm super interested in mindfulness and meditation. I have um, a, 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 a paper, my master's thesis coming out soon. It's being published in the journal uh, Mindfulness. Um, so I'm, I'm, never, I'm not discarding mindfulness or meditation. I think it's truly beneficial. It's how I made my journey into, into breathwork is it's through you know, five years of intense mindfulness and meditation training. And I'm very interested in using mindfulness and meditation can uh, active comparator groups to compare this against breath work so i think in breath work it's more about the control of the breath whereas in mindfulness curricula it's all about observation of the breath and i think 
this is such a uh, interesting space where which yeah there'd be so much nuanced investigation potential into this where we can yeah compare just like in the recent andrew huberman paper where you have you had a mindfulness meditation control a particular type of mindfulness meditation and then three different breathwork practices i think that's very important to do to to look at this difference between breath observation versus breath control yeah. and i'm really important it's i think it's really important i think i'm and i'm really excited to to study that more as my PhD progresses and research career progresses, yeah, would yeah, definitely. And when that the mindfulness paper's out, you'll have to come back on, won't you, and share the results of that as well. Of course, <laughs> of course. But that it is really interesting, and for me, and I might be getting this wrong, but I feel like each of those practices can confer different benefits. Yeah. And so, why would you choose one over the other? Because you know, we, we kind of want a big melting pot of benefits, don't we? Same with exercise you know i don't just run i run and i lift weights and i do yoga and i'll do any random team sport that someone will invite me to <laughs> so because they all have their different benefits don't they and they all feel a bit different i feel different after each of them i know that's perhaps a very simplistic way but for for me it feels like i know some practices are beneficial for your for focus some are beneficial for reducing anxiety um and others i suppose are a more spiritual and take you to a deeper place. And, and that's a huge benefit that I, I haven't got from breath work, but I have got from meditation. Um, you know, asking those deeper questions, who am I and where am I and what is this space and what am I going through? All these things. Um, and so each approach seems to offer something different. Is that kind of your opinion as well? Is that your outlook on it as well? hundred percent. Yeah. Right. And I, yeah, that's if, if um, someone was to ask me, you know, what should I do? What kind of breath work should I do? I think it's outcome based. What outcomes do you want? Interesting. What yeah. do you want to to get out of it? Um, because that's what most people are doing. So they want an they want an outcome. They want to feel yeah. a certain way. They want to they want to yeah look a certain way. You know, with exercise, mm. uh, yeah, the variability is is, is massive. Um, yeah, and, and going back to you know uh, these, these profound. Uh, spiritual experiences you can you can get that through particular types of breath work um, very intense breath work and then you can ask these these deeper questions yeah yeah and i think yeah who am i i think more importantly the question is where am i because where is i <laughs> isn't yeah because it's the, it's the sense of self that is that you're trying to you're trying to erode away in, yeah, in meditation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get but in, in a healthy ways. way. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A good point. Can, can you put your finger on I? No, exactly. You can't. Exactly. So where, where are you? Where, where do you start? And yeah. the rest of the world begin. Oh, that could that could we could go off on one there. <laughs> but. <laughs> it's really interesting points isn't it because like you yeah. said certain breathwork practices you mentioned cyclic i always stumble on my words yeah. you can say cyclic. cyclic cyclic exactly hyperventilation oh, i like that if, if we were talking about size cyclic could work as well oh yeah i guess so. yeah. <laughs> but if you were a, an anxious person that wants to reduce stress that's perhaps not the way to go is it oh, that that's exactly but then if you are um 
Well, maybe that's not the right way to put it because actually you, you can build some stress resilience through that kind of breath work, can't you? So maybe I've misspoke there. I don't know. But there, there are some practices that you could get involved with that are going to make you feel more, um, what, they're going to release adrenaline, aren't they? And you're going to feel hyped up and, and things, but it's about controlling that. But if you, that's not perhaps a good idea just before you go to sleep when you want to really slow your breath, calm down, um, tap into the parasympathetic nervous system, relax and, and get ready for uh, a good night's sleep. So it's interesting. And maybe we can dive into that a little bit more. But before we do, Going back to what you mentioned about the research, saying that um, the the ones that you did narrow it down to, those randomized controlled trials that you did narrow it down to, um, showed small to medium effects. And I guess some people might hear that and think, oh, well, small to medium effect, well, what's the point in bothering? I only want things that are going to give me an instant massive effect. But from my understanding, research doesn't quite work like that, does it? And actually, a small to medium effect is great <laughs> that's a good thing is that right that it's a good thing yeah if it's uh yeah statistically significant and in the right yeah. direct in the right direction that you want it to go yeah that's a great point um and as we say in the paper you know we're not proposing this as a, a substitute for any particular treatment or therapy mm-hmm. medication or something yeah exactly exactly and it, it can be, it can simply be viewed as you know a nice additive behavior supplement a supplementary approach to you know to complement all these things like getting your sunlight or you know eating eating well nutrition exercise sleep social connection all of that so yeah this is just a, another piece of the puzzle and it's it works for some people it doesn't work for others um, yeah. so it's kind of about finding navigating your way through what works for you if you even want to um, do it you know it's it's, it's an individual choice and I'm not saying do breath work or practice this specific technique but it can it can help people tremendously and it helped me heal a lot as well interesting so so how has it then influenced your um your practice your day um because now you've got this core breath work yeah routine i suppose yeah. or, or practice um could you maybe tell us about that a bit more how, how, how has it impacted you and when you say things like coherent breathing mm-hmm. what do you mean and I guess that you know you don't have to spend 10 minutes or whatever explaining but maybe a kind of a brief explanation of what it looks like for you and the impact would be really would be really beneficial for people listening yeah sure um yeah I'll preface it by that it helped me in my recovery from um chronic fatigue syndrome and that that could be a whole other podcast, you know, that could, it could go pretty deep. But uh, it's helped me, yeah, heal in in that in a like physically um, and mentally, emotionally. Um, I use the word spiritually lightly, but it's it's helped me in a big way. Um, so yeah, as I mentioned before, you know that we have I have the the cyclic hyperventilation, which we can call Wim Hof style Tomo, whatever you know. It's a derivative of Buddhist. Tibetan Buddhist Tumma meditation. So, yeah, that'll look like, you know, 20, 30 deep breaths in, out, in, out, and with holds. Sometimes I'll do very long holds. Um, I'll, if I'm using a, a, uh, an app like Othership, um, which is really good, it's a Toronto-based company. They make very high production value breathwork practices. What was it called, sorry? Othership? Othership, yeah. So Mothership oh. without the N. Yeah. I've never heard of that one. I'm yeah, going to doubt it's awesome. I think you can try try out a two week a two week uh, trial with them. Uh, but yeah, they, 
they've got some really good practices on there. Uh, a, a, a few that I'd recommend to you if you want to explore more of the, the Wim Hof style. It's uh, um, feel good now, feel great now, and feel fantastic now. <laughs> that's three uh, variations of the same sort of style, um, cyclic hyperventilation with retention, and yeah, awesome. And it combines music and there's really nice guidance and they're, they're uh, making some of the breathwork practices for my studies. Um, wow. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's just, that's just one practice, which I occasionally do. And if I'm designing a certain study, I will go really deep into that. So I'll do those practices on repeat for a few weeks, maybe, um, mm. and get, just get really into it and see how can I make this as, as accessible as possible to general population? How can I make this accessible to a, a 20 year old, a 50 year old, an 80 year old? How can anyone do this? Um, yeah, so th that's, that's, um, that's one technique that I've done, and that kind of got me in to, into breath, into, you know, all these other practices of breath work. So, yeah, a lot of gratitude to Wim Hof. Um, yeah fantastic fantastic human um so yeah my core practice is something called coherent breathing and in coherent breathing i'm breathing about three three breaths per minute in and out with equal inhale equal exhale but because i'm over six foot for someone who's shorter it'd be around five five breaths per minute um six breaths per minute if you're doing it with school children it would go much higher you know 10 11 12 but for me because i'm over six for about three breaths per minute and i'll use something called um breathing zone it's a free app i think on android so i'll use breathing zone to guide my and pace my breathing for this i find it very very beneficial for that sort of and it's zero cost um so yeah breathing zone is fantastic for that and I'll combine this with I'll combine this coherent breathing with something called uh, ujjayi pranayama, which is resistance breathing. And it's kind of when a cat purrs, it's because it's um, creating kind of like a friction in the larynx and a resistance there. And you can kind of hear the the purring. ocean breath. Is that ocean also breath? Yeah, ocean breath. Yeah, so ocean breath sometimes will be in there. Um, I'll, I'll be talking about this when uh, I recommend a book later. So uh, it'll nice happen. one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I'll do uh, ocean breath, and I'll also use something called breath moving. And breath moving is visualizing moving the breath up and down in certain circuits of the body. And again, I'll mention this from the the book that I recommend. Um, uh, but but I'll, so this so I use coherent breathing is, is is a part of the core practice. But I'll, I introduce something called uh, kapalabhati, which is kapalabhati pranayama is school shining school shining breath. And um, I'll, I'll do 30, to one, 30 seconds to one minute of, of very fast uh, kapalabhati. So breathing in and out, out of the nose, pumping the navel, not moving the chest, but just moving the stomach and diaphragm, basically. Mm. And this could be in the range of 100 to 200 breath, breath cycles per minute. And then I'll drop it right down to three breaths per minute back to coherent breathing. And I'll do this in a cycle. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, that's my, that's my go-to practice. If, if I have to, if I have to do anything in public, it'll be 
coherent breathing because no one will know that I'm doing it because it's not noticeable. But if I'm home and um, I want to, you know, get ready for to go smash a load of work at the office, I'll do that. I'll and I'll alternate between these, you know, hundred breaths per minute, two hundred breaths per minute, just really fast, rapid through the nose, then down, drop it down to three breaths per minute, and just yeah, do that. I'll do this for you know, it could be around. 600 500 600 breaths total to 1100 1200 breaths total but i'll i'll use some i'll use insight timer with bells and chimes to to um my cue so i'll have like a high chime to do fast even higher chime to go very fast then i have a low chime and it go that would be my cue to drop it down to coherent breathing mm-hmm. and i'll have that on a cycle i've put it i've done it on an insight timer so it'd be good if there was an app that could do it more, I don't know, in a more methodical, logical way, but that's how I've laid it out on an Insight Timer. Um, well, go on, get on it, design it. We're waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. One day, one day. <laughs> yeah, Insight Timer's great, isn't it? And yeah, I've set up a, a few meditation timers like that with a, with a halfway bell, but I've never thought to use it like that. Mm. Um, it's almost like you've got a, a hit timer, like an exercise hit yeah. session, but for your breath work. So how long yeah. would that take or in total? Yeah, so if I'm doing about 500 to 600 breaths, it would be about, it's about, it's six minutes on Insight Timer for that session. So that's four rounds of yeah. that. And then if I do it longer, I'll do one minute fast, one minute very fast, and one minute coherent. That'll be 10 minutes, and that'll be about 1,000 breaths. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, – and then usually after that, I'll then just do 10 minutes of coherent breathing just after. Right. Equal inhale, equal exhale. With the, It can have the resistance breathing in. It can have the yeah, ujjayi um, and, the vision, and the breath moving. So – you know, it can take me, some days I'll do six minutes, some days I'll do 10 minutes, some days I'll do 15, some days I'll do 20. You know, it, it varies. It depends how much time I have, what tasks I have, what calls, what deadlines. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah. We're not talking about a huge investment of time, but it's something that you have felt yeah. has had a profound effect on your life. And we're talking about six to 15 minutes which I think yeah. other people can resonate with as well, whether they've committed to a meditation practice, a mindfulness practice, a breathwork practice, that we're not talking about huge amounts of time, but it could it could really make some changes. For sure, for sure. And and then I'm using breathwork, you know, throughout the day by making sure that I'm focusing on nasal breathing. So I'm breathing through yeah. my nose. When, I, when I'm jogging, when I'm running, I'm working out, I'm always using nasal breathing. And I'm also using uh, the cyclic sign too, so like the du- the double inhale and then the long exhale, uh, which Andrew Huberman goes over you know a thousand times across various different um, podcasts. Um, so yeah, I'll be using physiological sign when I'm when I'm running, uh, just when I feel like doing. Oh, I can just do some now, just to relax. Um, after after a jog, I'll I will do some if it's an intense jog or a run or workout i'll do some coherent breathing i'll do some physiological sighing just to down regulate after just to recover yeah. i'll also use something called uh, four seven eight breathe relaxing breath um to down regulate so that's a inhale for four hold and then exhaling through the mouth like a whoosh sound for eight seconds so four seven eight and on breathing zone it actually has that is one of the 
um, default presets. Right, yeah. 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 So yeah, it's it was done by um, it was uh, started by Andrew, Doctor Andrew Weil, uh, Harvard medical doctor. He, he's a big proponent of, of that technique, and that helps. And uh, the coherent breathing um, breathwork that was inspired by people that I trained with as a as a breathwork researcher, um, uh, trained as a breathwork teacher over the pandemic. And that's doctors Richard Brown and Doctor and Patricia Gerbarg. Uh, husband and wife, fantastic human beings. They're based in New York, and yeah, Columbia and Harvard medical uh, trained psychiatrists who use a technique called breath, body, mind, where they kind of repackage all these different um, breathwork practices from all over the world, and make it more success, uh, accessible, uh, pack, repackage into more of a secular format, so everyone mm-hmm. can practice. And yeah, again, it's what one of their books, which I'll recommend at the end of this this episode. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I do, you know, a core practice of it could be, you know, any, anywhere up to 20 minutes. Um, at night time, I'll do probably do 10 minutes of, of coherent breathing um, using the breathing zone um, style of breathing where it will progressively lengthen the, the exhale. So, you know, activate more of the parasympathetic response. Um, and yes, yeah, so I'll do 10 minutes of that. Um, without the without the um, breath moving because the breath moving can be quite energizing if you're using your you know your imagination to to move the breath up and down in certain channels of the body it can it can energize you and that's it's perfect for um, if you have something to do um, later on in the day mm-hmm. uh, yes and then again I'll be you know I'll do the classic uh, surgical tape on the mouth at night <laughs> so uh, I ensure uh, nasal breathing yeah so it, the, I, you, the great thing about breathwork is that you can do it whenever, wherever. Yeah. We're, always, we're always breathing. And yeah, if you, I, you can do your slow-paced breathwork when you're you know, commuting um, any time of day uh, in public. And then if, you, if you're going to do some faster-paced breathing, if you're more experienced with breathwork and you want to do some faster-paced, that's probably best to do uh, in private, in a safe space or in a group setting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the beauty of it, isn't it? That it yeah. is, you can, you can do it anytime. No one needs to know that you're doing it, but yet you are tapping into something that could help you feel more calm, more grounded, and just more more ready to go, more more kind of equipped to deal with with whatever is coming up in your day. Um, it's it's just incredible. And you say about the the taping your mouth shut, and I've told a couple of people that that's uh, something that I've introduced and. People just can't believe it, can they? When you say, right. um, "Oh yeah, I take my mouth up at night," they're like, "What?" <laughs> but yeah. it's it's it has been a game changer. I mean, for for years, I suffered with a stuffy nose. It would be blocked constantly, it'd be itchy, and and I'm not saying it's kind of this silver bullet. And now I always have a clear nose. I don't always have a clear nose, but it's like it's gone from having a clear nose 20% of the time to 90% of the time. It's just completely different feeling to be able to breathe through your nose clearly. It, it's it's life-changing. And, and I've started running as well with, with nasal breathing for once a week for an hour, go out and just breathe through my nose. And that's from you know a couple of years ago. I tried it. I thought, I want to give this a go. And I could take one breath in through my nose before I was just like gasping and just couldn't yeah yeah yeah. I just I just couldn't do it and it was so uncomfortable and so it just made me feel so anxious 
and mm. then just slowly built up. And now the feeling of a run when you've just breathed through your nose and at the end, it's, it's all to do with recovery, isn't it? The fact that you are just working so much more efficiently. And mm. then when you get to the end of that, it's like you haven't just, it feels like you just haven't taxed your entire system. Mm. It's just like you've you've done thing, you've done everything in a more efficient way and you just feel incredible for it. Yeah. Um, uh, and yeah it helps ensure that you stay in your zone too if you if you want if you're yes. interested in your zone two training i saw that you do an hour of that yeah as as, as, one, as part of your regimen and i saw that you also run barefoot as well that's right that's and right that's, like, yeah that's something that i'd like to try do it i, I always say i've recommended to anyone that's another thing when i've told people that what uh, that i do that they say but why <laughs> But why? You tape your mouth and run barefoot, but why? Um, but I would recommend it to anyone. It is, it's such an experience. So I haven't, the last one I did was a marathon and that was, it's, it's coming up to a year and a half ago now. And mm-hmm. I can't believe that that much time has passed. Um, but that was, the, I mean, talking of spiritual experiences, I mean, this sounds a bit woo-woo, but to run 26 miles with no shoes on was like something I've never experienced before. And I, I really kind of talk about it um, openly, yeah, but it, it was something special for sure. Um, I've got a half marathon coming up, but I don't think I'm going to do it barefoot because it does take some commitment. You you have to be doing it a couple of times a week in the build up, and you get all the funny looks and you've got to wake up really early so that the roads are a bit quiet and you can run around with no shoes on. And so it, it is a bit of an investment. So I might, I will go back to it eventually, but maybe yeah. maybe not for the next half marathon. But no, I recommend it, and I can send you videos and and tips and things like that if you if you're interested for sure. Mate. I, yeah, I remember I remember you saying uh, on Twitter you so you always get the you forgot your shoes, mate. Exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. It is good fun. It is good fun. <laughs> um, do you sorry? Do you wear any um, barefoot shoes or anything like that? Do you ever do that? Yeah, do, so do I've, I've got. Yeah, the the Vivos, of course. Like, how, well. how are they? Are they great? Yeah, and and that's how I got started. I bought a pair of those and would just wear them as much as possible. And I'd wear them to walk to work, wear them to the gym. Then started doing a few runs in them, yeah. but quite quickly, quite quickly, then we're just doing more drills with nothing on my feet at all, and then built up the miles. Um, but I, but I, you know, I've I've always got a pair that I'll wear as much as I can, and I'll wear them to the gym if I'm not doing like a really heavy, fast mm. running session or something like that. You know, for my squats and lunges yeah. and things like that, I'll, I'll be in them. Now, I definitely recommend them, and I think so, lots of podcasts yeah. you can you can get a bit of a discount, can't you? So yeah, I think Rangan Chatterjee he has the, exactly yeah. yeah soon to be a sponsor of this podcast, the Insight Podcast. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. That is the, uh, that's one of the goals for sure. For sure. <laughs> but ah, oh, interesting. And thank you so much for sharing about you know your, your journey and, and the benefits it's had, uh, breathwork has had in your life and and the different practices. Because I think that's great because so many people can hear those different approaches and think, oh well, I like the sound of that one or that one or that one. And you mentioned so many apps as well, at least two, other ship and breathing zone. So people can just go away and try it. And I guess, like me, you might say to people, just try it, just give it a go and, and see what it does for you. There, there are these different approaches, depending on whether you want to feel calmer or do you want to build stress resilience or do you want to energize yourself? And, and I think it's very kind of, it, it's obvious which one is for which and you can kind of navigate around that, can't you? Um, yeah. Or but with my core routine, you can you can do both. You well, can of alternate course. between these states. Yeah, 
Yeah. And so is that is the idea behind that that you are able then to to kind of to manage your I don't know, to 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 manage your like what am I trying to say here? You're just you're building resilience in that way that you're you're able to stress yourself in a controlled situation and then bring yourself back to calm. Is that the rationale or is it or is it something else? Um, I think it can go deeper than that. Right. Okay. Um, it's it's a strange one for me because if someone asked me, you know, how do I, what do I do to what would someone what would you recommend to someone you know first time starting with breath work? I would say start slow. Start mm. slow. Um, I think it's very important to do that. And when I was training with um, Dr. Richard Brown, we, we always just used to focus on slow-paced breath work, just removing layers of stress and tension, removing these layers. And then eventually after a while, we then introduced the fast-paced breath work. And that kind of unlocked something in me, um, if, whether you want to call it tension or stress or or uh, energy, you know, whatever you want to want to call it, it, it kind of released something with inside me because I've been practicing the slow-paced coherent breathing for so long. And I think when I started doing this really fast Kapalabhati, that's when it it was kind of like a aha sort of moment. And then now, when I even do fast-paced breath work, because I've, I've been doing it for such a long time now that every day that now when I do that, I, like my, my eyes water, even when I'm doing really the really fast-paced breath work, so, which, which would um, denote that I'm in more of a relaxed, parasympathetic sort of state. Whereas before, even when I was doing slow-paced breath work, my eyes would not water, I wouldn't be as relaxed. But now, regardless of the type of breath work I do, it kind of puts me into a state of um, more parasympathetic type state, even though I'm doing very intense breath works which is so it's interesting so i just don't know if um we can always say like you're stressing yourself out and this is this is stressing this is you know it could be positive stress but yeah for for me sometimes i'm in a relaxed state i'm yawning even when doing all this really fast-paced breath work so i don't know if it um i don't know if we can categorically say you're you're always stressed when you do this or it could, or I could be completely wrong. I mean, I'd love to, yeah, study this sort of thing. Obviously, um, yeah. So it's it's hard. I think it's more nuanced than because the yeah, the human body, the human mind. There's just so many mysteries we just don't understand. Um, it's, it's very complex. Many different systems all working in tandem. It's it's hard to say. It's doing this exact thing, but yeah, yeah it's. It, I think it's good to go through these different states and vary it in different times. I think I remember, yeah, Andrew Human talking with Jack Feldman uh, on a podcast. Um, one of the, I think the first podcast he did on breathing, um, and he he wanted to start a protocol called the Feldman protocol, where you could introduce these random, random moments of fast-paced breathing, and then it would go into slow pace. So you're kind of you're alternating between these these states but in, on a random basis not not with mine where i know i know i'm going to do some fast-paced breathing and i know i'm going to do some really fast-paced breathing and i'm dropping it down to really slow-paced breathing but maybe because i know that i have the awareness that i'm doing that that's why i'm in a relaxed state whereas if i was doing a breath practice where i just didn't know 
we were going to go here or there or anywhere, then yeah, that then it could that could exactly it could be going alluding to the point you just made, where you could be genuinely going in and out of these sympathetic parasympathetic states. Uh, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it, I'm still you know exploring for myself and yeah, I think genuinely as you say, it probably would put the people in these moments of stress where they where they can build resilience to it. Mm. However, when I'm when I when I do Wim Hof uh, techniques or really you know cyclic hyperventilation with attention, I feel great in the breath holds. I don't feel stressed in the in the breath holds only until that urge to breathe, which I guess would then be the stressor. But I I do feel elation when I when I do that sort of uh, technique. Oh yeah, it's 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 pretty special, isn't it? And if people haven't tried it i always say yeah just give it a go mm. and, and maybe in person i think is even better if you've got a wim hof instructor um it's just it's you can go to some pretty cool places but then the flip side of that is it is a lot of effort isn't it like i i wanted to start that practice myself but i realized it would be mean probably 20 minutes and it just feels so effortful like you get quite tired don't you by doing those um, repeated bouts of um of breathing um but it kind of like you get the reward for that, but then yeah. perhaps for a more um, regular routine, just that, just that can't, there are so many options, aren't there, of of, of a, um, a kind of a simple, more less taxing approach. That's, so, that's really so many. So yeah. many. <laughs> I think it's, yeah, it's important to, I think, yeah, akin to exercise, you know, crawl, walk. Yes. Run. So yeah, slow paced, medium paced, fast paced. Yeah. You can go from, yeah, it's akin to meditation as well, you know. Um, the recent uh, guest on, the most recent guest on the Human Lab was Professor Alyssa Eppel, who I'm going to be working with on a fast-paced breathwork study. Um, Seriously? I, I, just, yeah. I listened to that episode yesterday. She was yeah, amazing. Yeah, she's, oh, she's fantastic. Yeah, another amazing person. Um, <laughs> in, yeah, there's so many great human beings in this space um, just trying to help others uh, yeah it's brilliant um so yeah she was saying that you know she did you know two-day weekend retreats Mm -hmm. before before you know doing a two-week retreat and she and she said it's good to ease yourself into that whereas whereas i you know i jumped i I did i used to do a lot of um meditation stuff but i didn't hadn't done any two retreats before then i did a you know a 10-day retreat then i did a two-week retreat straight away sort of thing um i wouldn't advise that to people just to jump <laughs> in just the same as with um holotropic breath work three hours of really intense uh, hyperventilation maybe it's not the best route to go if you're if you just, if you just want to explore uh breath work, maybe it's not the best thing to do is just jump straight into that because it can elicit very profound intense emotional cathartic experiences um yeah, so again, just I think start small, start slow, just play around with it, be playful. Um, at the minimum, just focus on breathing through your nose. If you can, if, yeah. if, and if that's not possible, just maybe do some pursed lip breathing where you just mm. and just prolong your exhale um, just to reduce your breathing rate. So yeah, I think, yeah, keep it basic, small, short, 
but most importantly, have fun with it because if you don't enjoy it, you probably won't stick with it. Yeah, and we tend to take all of these things things a little bit too seriously, don't we? Like the yeah. like the ice cold plunges, like the exercise, we take mm. it all too seriously. Yeah, actually... move move about if you're in the ice, if you're in the ice, if you're in a plunge, move about if you're in a cold shower, move about, put it all over yeah. you. Know? And so, smile, yeah. That's yeah, what I tell yeah. when I've I yeah. had a workshop recently. I said, like, you don't have to have this. I know it looks great on social media to have this really serious, like, stoic face on. But actually, <laughs> you can smile. And I was kind of trying to make them laugh and things because, I mean, what a lesson is that to take into life? Like, yeah, just just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. We don't need to take ourselves so seriously. But those are, those are all brilliant points. And I like the fact that you mentioned about starting slow starting easy and the just the little things like focusing on breathing through your nose and slowing down your breath that can just after a couple of weeks that can change you can't it that's not an exaggeration it can change you when you just realize oh yeah i have been breathing so fast and so shallow and always through my mouth yeah and this is how it can feel if i breathe like this instead um it can be a game changer. So I, I was going to talk about some of your your tips and things, but I think we've covered so much already. There's been so much useful. I can know. give a few. I can give a few more. <laughs> I'll go on if you've got, if you've got some kind of top tips that you're just you're, you're bursting to share with us, then do it. Well, <laughs> um, I guess you know. Again, start slow. Observe. Just observe the breath. Mindfulness. Mindfulness meditation. Just if you if you again if you can't breathe through the nose, use some pursed lips breathing. Put your hand on your chest. Put your hand on your other hand on your belly. Just see how you're breathing. Are you breathing more upper chest? Are you breathing in through the diaphragm more with the diaphragm and the belly? And lie down. You can do this and just try and just do some belly breathing. Then you can start doing pacing your breath. You can just feel into it. See what you fancy doing. You know, you could do some physiological size with a double inhale and the long exhale. You know, five to ten five to ten minutes a day is fine just or whenever you just remember in that moment and again it ultimately depends on the outcome that you want um you you might want to you know feel more energized and upregulated in that instance you would place more emphasis on your inhale and you make your inhales longer than your exhales if you want to downregulate your you'll want to place more emphasis on your exhales and that'll activate more of a parasympathetic uh, response. And then if you want to have it balanced, you can do coherent breathing where you're just doing equal inhale, equal exhale. And then co- box breathing where you have the equal ratios of inhale, hold, exhale, hold. There's, yeah, and there's just so many other techniques as well. And, and another good box breathing one is four, four, six, and two, where you breathe in, two, three, four, hold two, three, four, breathing out, two, three, four, five, six, hold, two. And that, that's a really good technique to do before, before you go to sleep. Um, you know, I told my parents about this um, breathing technique and my mum says that she forgets, she falls asleep you know, she forgets, <laughs> yeah, she's just, because she's doing the, she's counting in her head, she's using, you know, some kind of cognitive attentional, um, you know, she's counting in her head and then, yeah, at some point she's asleep, so she's no longer counting. She says it always happens where, you know, she's one, two, three, that's just asleep. Yeah. yeah, so, and then you have the physiological sigh, which which is also brilliant, just before bed, um, 
I, I do coherent breathing before bed, but that, that's just, I'm just a big proponent of that. Um, and you can integrate, you can integrate this into anything, you know, when you're exercising, running, if you want to stay at a zone two kind of pace, do, do yeah, just breathe through the nose, just try as much as you can. Do some physiological size when you're, when you're running. Um, you can do something called Nadi Shadhama, Pranayama, where you're breathing in through your alternate nostril breathing, so breathing in through the left nostril and then out through the right and then in through the right, out through the left. And just doing different ratios of that. Um, there's Vastrika Pranayama or Ha breath, where you're, it's kind of a 20, 30 breaths a minute type breathing and it's more activating and energetic. Um, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's just so much, so many options. You've shared yeah. those. It's and, brilliant. And I, I know that you work um, with with children. You're a primary school teacher, right? So yeah, you can you can before sessions, uh, lessons, and stuff like that, or if you have periods of time now dedicated to I don't know, like different like story time and stuff like that. You can you can get them to bring their breathing buddies in, so it could be their favorite toy, and you can lie they you, they can lie down. And they can put the the um, the toy on their belly, and then you can just say practice some belly breathing. And it's a, as you inhale, your breathing body rises on the in breath, and as you exhale, nice. breathing body falls on the out breath. And you can just do that for a few minutes a, a day, you know, before lesson or after lesson. Or um, yeah, this is inspired by uh, Patricia Gerberg and Richard Brown um, Breath Body Mind Foundation, which you should definitely check out. Um, and yeah, they they do this with um, they've been doing this with uh, children in schools in 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 Ireland, I think Northern Ireland. Um, yeah, it's just yeah, so many opportunities to use it with so many different groups and populations of people. And but again, most importantly, just have fun with it. Just have fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great. And I I really appreciate the um, the tip for primary school age children as well. That's that's really cool. And. The the four four six two that's really interesting. I've I've not heard of that one. That kind of variation, and I like the sound of that because often when I do a four 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 on that last breath hold, I can struggle a little bit, and it's a bit mm-hmm. like or oh, bit um, makes me feel a bit on edge. Where exactly. so that shorter breath at the end would I guess um, yeah. It's it's really good for down regulating before sleep or before yeah. moving into coherent breathing. So in breath body mind. Uh, we will teach, you know, how breath first. So you'll be going, ha, and you'll be doing this, you know, tw- you know, 10 times. So, and then you'll move in, go into some movement, uh, some kind of Tai Chi type movements. Um, then you'll have, uh, yeah, four, four, six, and two, or some alternate nostril breathing. And then it gets you set up and ready for the, the core practice of coherent breathing. Where you'll practice that with breath moving, and yeah, I just encourage I encourage people to to check out the book, The Healing Power of the Breath. Again, I'll mention it um, at the end, <laughs> but um, they will guide you through that, and it all, it's all online on uh, Shambhala publication. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Well, so many approaches, so many ideas. Um, I don't know about anyone else that's listening, but I'm feeling definitely motivated to to increase my breath breath work practice yeah and go back to it and and follow along with some of these apps and um Mm. yeah just give some different approaches a go mix it up mix it up yeah mix it up and also bring it in into the middle of the day and at the end of the day you know i tend to do uh, you know 
carve out a bit of time in the morning and I make sure I do that and I've got into a really good habit. But I, like I'm sure other people, can get that afternoon slump where it's like, oh, like just the energy's gone and I could just mm. kind of quit now. <laughs> Whereas actually maybe introducing something like this could be a bit more, um, could reinvigorate me and, and set you up for the rest of the day or do it at you know, lunchtime at school, just yeah. to find a bit of time. Yeah, and um, if you're feeling a little bit, yeah, if you're feeling a little bit lethargic or something, you can do, yeah, just a few minutes of something called bellows breath where you're just, mm. just in and out of the nose. And yeah, like, you know, just a few minutes of that and then just place your attention with your eyes closed. Like, how, how do you feel different or do you feel different in any way? And then just back to your day. Um, yeah, it's just little things that you can do. It's great. It's great. No, thanks. Thanks for the for the inspiration. And of come on, listeners, try it. Give it a go. And let, let me and Guy know how you get on <laughs> for sure. Right. Well, um, thank you so much for your, for your time, Guy. Thanks for sharing your research. And thank you for sharing so many different ideas and tips um what a what a practical episode and what a useful episode it's it's been brilliant i really appreciate it mate of course yeah i'm, I'm very <laughs> i'm very happy to yeah come on this is my first podcast so i was yeah a little bit nervous before coming on it's good to it's good to have um positivity on my twitter feed from people like you putting out awesome information just yeah inspiring people to yeah live better lives healthier stronger stronger happier lives and yeah man just really appreciate really appreciate it thank you for oh, man, thank you for having me on no that's really kind of you to say yeah. keep doing so what you do <laughs> i can't let you go without asking you the the, the final yeah. three questions i ask every guest sure. the first one is what's one lesson you wish you'd have been taught when you were younger Yes, I was, I was thinking about that and I was going to say, you know, you could be, you know, you don't always have to be happy or um, you don't need to be a perfectionist. But I think it's more obvious to me now, a more actionable thing was be a nose breather. <laughs> I, I breathe through, through my mouth up until, uh, you know, around 26, I'm 30 now and uh, I still haven't managed to fully transition to nasal breathing at night, even though I've been wearing the tape for three or four years. Um, and yeah, it, it doesn't happen overnight converting from a mouth to, to nose breathing. And again, yeah, I, just have to, I always have to wear tape at night. Uh, it's hard to, to encourage a kid or a child to, to always breathe through their nose. Um, but if you told me in that moment when I was, I don't know, eight, nine, oh, you, you'll, it'll, it, could, it could potentially help you have straight teeth and you wouldn't have to have a brace, etc. Then I might have took it more seriously. There was no, I might have taken that more seriously. There was, uh, I never heard anything about that as a child, nasal breathing. But there's been you know, books, Breath by James Nestor came out and that started speaking about the, the, the aesthetic benefits of, of nasal breathing. Um, oxygen advantage, uh, also um, Jaws, was a, hit, a story of a hidden epidemic. You know, it's just stuff like that where I wish I knew about that sort of benefit um, that could happen. Um, and maybe kids would take that more seriously if they heard that message more. Because, yeah, when you're a kid, you just you, you want to you have fun. You want to express yourself and stuff. But like a 
practical thing like that. It's like, oh, you might actually, you know, have a wide, you know, because my teeth are crooked now and I'm, I'm evidence of why maybe you should free free your nose. Um, but yeah, so I think that's just an actionable thing. And again, I know it's hard to, to do that with children, but if you can encourage it in a playful way, I'm not sure uh, how that would work, but it could be um, a ethical and nice experiment that you could have in primary school. You could be like, oh, nasal breathing could be more beneficial and just see uh, the reaction about it, yeah. What is one habit that I should add to my life to help me feel great? And this could be <laughs> breath work, or you might want to go in a different direction. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, again, it, it was going to be, you know, breathe through your nose as much as possible. Uh, one of my favorite lyrics from a Snoop Dogg song was follow the, no- follow the nose, the nose knows. Um, <laughs> yeah, if there's one piece of breath work advice I could give, it is that because this is functional. You're, you're doing it all, you're breathing all the time. So if you can do something functional, which will benefit you every, all day, every day, it's that. It's just if you can breathe through your nose, try. If you can't, try do pursed lip breathing. Mm. Um, it's, I think it'd be, be more beneficial holistically than just doing, you know, 10 minutes a day of breath work, of any practice. It'd probably be better just to breathe through your nose all all day instead of just doing these 10, 20 minutes, whatever, an hour, and then just breathing through your mouth for the rest of the day. Um, again, you know, there's not just one thing you can do. And I, I don't know if this would make you feel great, but if you're taking the whole holistic, you know, picture of health into perspective, in perspective, then I'd say this could offer benefit to all the other areas of your life. Um, I don't know if it's going to make, again, don't know if it'll make you feel great, but holistically from a lot, you know, overall perspective, it should benefit other areas, including, you know, your, your health, well-being, sleep. Uh, but yeah, always make sure you're doing the basics first though. And I think you've already mentioned it, but what, what is this one book that you would give everyone in the world? <laughs> well, well if, <laughs> um, because I gave the same piece of advice for one and two, I'll recommend more than one book. <laughs> but luckily they're, luckily they're short. So The Healing Power of the Breath is the book that I'd recommend for, for breathing. The Healing Power of the Breath. by It's by Harvard and Columbia psychiatrists, Drs. Richard Brown and Patricia Gerbog. Um, yeah, they, they had an audio book that just came out. Um, I trained with these these people over the pandemic as a breath teacher. Um, yeah, they're fantastic human beings. They are doing so much good in the world. They're they're in charge of the Breath Body Mind Foundation in New York, and they offer online courses for people. Um, and you can you can do it, yeah do it online. They might be going back to some in person as well, um, but for people in the UK, online is fine. They might they also have some breath body mind teachers in the UK as well. And yeah, to move on from, from that, I think to just put life into perspective more and just have more fun. Uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> it's a good book uh, to read. Um, I really like the concept of well, actually I don't want to ruin the book but <laughs> it puts it puts it just puts life into perspective a bit more in a comical way and the last one 
the last book that I'll, I'll mention. Um, it's been, it's, it means a lot to me and it's extremely short. It's the, the Little Prince. It's a fantastic book. Um, and I think a lot of adults can learn a lot by reading that book, The Little Prince. Nice one. Of course. Okay. And so where can people connect with you to find, uh, to keep up to date with your, with your research and everything that you do? Yeah, uh, just Twitter is at, at breath underscore guy. Uh, yeah, you can check out my meta-analysis on there if you're interested in, in the literature, and that will be in the pinned tweet. But yeah, uh, that's all really, just Twitter. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. It's nice and simple for you then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just, one, just one, just one yeah. social media account to check every five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I, tr- I try not to Yeah, go on social media too much. But uh, but if I go on one, it'd be Twitter. But I'll try and just stay in the the academic Twitter or the medical Twitter space, or you know, or some nice like nature. Uh, I'm really interested in birds <laughs> and nature, so I like to just have a feed with that. So when I see all the other stuff come up, I'm like, oh no, I need to navigate no, away yeah. from that. Yeah, I need to do yeah. some unfollowing or blocking or something. Yeah, <laughs> you can get into some crazy holes for yeah. sure. <laughs> Right. Well, thank you for your time again. Um, another episode that I'm really looking forward to to putting out there as soon as possible. Um, yeah, it's, it's been it's been great to chat with you. It's been great. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sam. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you found my conversation with Guy insightful. If you did enjoy the episode, please share it with friends, family, and colleagues who you think would find it interesting. You can also support the podcast by following and rating the show on whichever app you're listening on. Thank you again, and I look forward to bringing you another episode soon.